Welcome to the Calibre podcast, brought to you by the Watchers of Switzerland Group. I'm Faith Soteri, International Senior Watch Buyer, and in this episode, I meet with Aurelia Figueroa, Global Head of Sustainability for Breitling. We talk about how the brand are taking on huge and important subjects of being carbon neutral, end-to-end traceability, lab-grown diamonds, and their 360-degree approach with their values on sustainability. Watches can be considered as one of the few luxury products that are sustainable based on their longevity. And over recent years, we have seen some brands moving towards a more eco-friendly approach, whether it's uh, recycled materials or packaging. Sustainability is becoming apparent across many areas of the watch industry. With these ongoing developments, uh, with all brands taking on this subject with their own narrative, no one has made such statements and bold movements than Breitling are doing right now. One of this year's launches, the Super Chronomat Automatic 38, eight new references, all with their bezels set with lab-grown diamonds. Whilst lab-grown diamonds are not entirely new to the watch and jewellery industry, how Breitling are taking this and all areas of sustainability on and then move forward is an utter seismic shift. Here to tell us about Breitling and how they're leading the way on the subject matter is Aurelia Figueroa, Global Head of Sustainability for Breitling. Aurelia, thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Faye. It's really good to be with you, and I'm really looking forward to our discussion. So, so am I. This is a fascinating topic. So why don't you start by telling us um, how important sustainability is to Breitling? Sustainability is a key topic for Breitling. It's obviously a part of the neo-luxury paradigm that's been defined by the brand since 2017. And there we are talking about inclusive, casual, and sustainable luxury. So this is obviously a key pillar in this paradigm, which the brand has been defining since that time. We in turn define sustainability with a range of internal and external stakeholders alike, whereby we've identified key priorities across our pillars of sustainability. Product, planet, people, prosperity, and progress. In having this whole of house approach, we're really able to have a holistic approach to sustainability where we are able to recognize the intersectionality of the issue and address these really important topics and the global challenges behind them in a concerted manner. So there's a complete 360 holistic approach, as you say, in terms of the values and the vision for your company. That's right. We're, we're really looking at this from the whole perspective of the brand, whether it's, of course, our watches, our key product, whether it's how our boutiques are constructed, what is our impact along the supply chain, whether it's for artisanal gold, for lab-grown diamonds, for materials that we're using in boutiques, or engaging our employees globally on sustainability in a tangible manner. So we really try to look at this uh, from every facet. That means no doubt that we have a long journey ahead of us. We've kind of just started on it, but we're excited about what we've been able to accomplish thus far. And we're really looking forward to the road ahead, especially with the partnerships that we've been able to establish. Yeah, so it's exciting. it sounds like it's a very exciting time. One of the topics uh, we'd like to talk about with you today is, uh, with a little bit more focus, we'll cover a lot of the other areas that you've touched on, but um, lab-grown diamonds. Purely, the, you're, um, in October, um, just launched the new collection, and uh, I understand that by 2025, it's Breitling's commitment that any diamond on any of their timepieces will all be lab-grown. So that's a real statement and change in direction. So can you start by telling us what are lab-grown diamonds and what makes them different? 
Yeah, thanks a lot, Faye. So uh, we're really proud of this new commitment and lab-grown diamonds are replicating those processes that occur when mined diamonds actually are produced in the Earth's crust. So we're talking about using a, a gas uh, to which extreme heat and temperature are applied in order to form a diamond. So this is what's occurring in the lab-grown setting as well. In this case, we have chemical vapor deposition or CVD diamonds, which we are using across the Superchronomat 38 line in which we're applying lab-grown diamonds for the first time. And we are using then methane gas, which is injected into a chamber onto a diamond slice. The diamond slice itself is a lab-grown diamond slice. And then this uh, is then applied with heat uh, and with uh, pressure over time in order to create and build up layer by layer the structure of the diamond which like I said is then resembling and identical in fact to that of a mine diamond. And how do lab-grown diamonds reduce Breitling's environmental impact? So they reduce our impact across three key pillars that we've assessed to date. So the first is climate, the next is biodiversity, and the final is water. So I'm gonna break those down one by one. The climate impact may be raising the eyebrows of some of our listeners, and I wanna give due credence to that because it's a really important topic. It's important to us at Breitling. We've committed, for example, to the Science-Based Targets Initiative, whereby we will be reducing our greenhouse gas emissions in line with the Paris Agreement. So we did not leave this aside when we were considering how to source lab-grown diamonds. So the first step that we've taken is we source diamonds only from producers who are accredited according to the SCS 007 Sustainability Rated Diamond Standard. Some of you may know SCS from its work in other industries like the MSC label for, for fish or the FSC label for forestry products. So SCS has been able to guarantee that across the value chain, the suppliers that we work with are upholding high ethical standards, labor and human rights standards, and environmental standards. So on the environmental aspect of that, as a first step, each supplier that we work with has become fully climate neutral. We know that climate neutrality, which by the way, Breitling is carbon neutral itself, we know that this is only a first step. However, we think that it's an important one. It means that our suppliers have done their homework, they've measured their carbon emissions, and then they've offset them with meaningful projects. As a next step, we ask each of our suppliers to be able to outline to us their transition to low carbon or renewable energy sources. So presently, if we look at the Origins Watch, for example, the producer that we work with, Phoenix Diamonds, is transitioning to 100% renewable energy by the start of 2023. So this is really a near-term transition that we're speaking about. In the case of another supplier who's provided the diamonds for Superchronomat 38, we were actually able to support the supplier in their transition to renewable energy. We did that in the following way. Breitling places a voluntary or a shadow price on carbon. So we're not subject to any regulatory carbon markets because we're operating in essentially a low impact industry. However, we voluntarily do this. So in the last reporting cycle, we've placed a price on carbon of 40 Swiss francs per ton. 
This is aligning to the minimum guidance established by the Carbon Pricing Leadership Coalition, and we transparently report on that in our sustainability mission report. Then we've used this fund to support a number of activities in our supply chain. So to go back to the example that I was just bringing up, one of our lab-grown diamond suppliers in India will be installing solar PV panels on site, and we've been able to fund approximately 10% of this project. We have other projects that we've been working on like this in our gold value chain. Maybe we'll get to get to that later, but I want to stay on the diamonds topic for now for sure. So, so that's climate. That's the first aspect of it. Um, the next is biodiversity. So diamond mining has a range of impacts, uh, and I think the biodiversity one is something that we've definitely had close in mind, and we feel very confident that our move to lab-grown diamonds allows us to speak very positively about a reduced impact upon biodiversity. And that can result from habitat destruction directly at the mine site or impacts that can occur following mining activities or during, during mining activities themselves, such as the release of small particulate matter. There are also impacts on water uh, that can occur directly on site again or further downstream. So these are areas where we feel really good about the improvement that we can make from a climate perspective. So namely by the fact that we source climate neutral diamonds that our suppliers use or are transitioning to low carbon or renewable energy sources and that we are really able to mitigate, uh, if not entirely remove the biodiversity and the water impact of these lab grown diamonds. Um, Brightling have been busy, haven't they? We've been busy. It, it's, <laughs> it's been a big project and, and we couldn't have done it without a lot of partners all along the supply chain who really share our values. And I think that's what really was able to bring this project to life. Yeah, it feels like it's a project with just huge integrity for, with everybody you've spoken to, everybody that's bought into it. And it's not going anywhere. It's a, just, it's, this, is, this is just the beginning, I imagine. But um, um, Brightling, are, are, I, I think, are leading the way um, because of, sort of the, the full holistic approach that you were talking about earlier. Um, and why have Brightling decided to move in this direction in such a commercial way? So the reason that we decided to move in this direction, so to walk it back a few years, I joined Brightling in April of 2020, which given what was unfolding in the world at that time was a really interesting time to join a company. And uh, we began to assess, as I mentioned a bit earlier, what should our priorities be as a company in sustainability? So again, taking these inclusive brand values that we had, we really opened up the question, not only internally, but also externally, including customers, suppliers, other business partners, sustainability experts, NGOs, media, uh, public sector representatives to really ask, we at Brightling, in your opinion, what is it that we should be focusing on? How do we impact the world and how are we in turn impacted by different uh, topics related to sustainability? We came up with a total of 10 topics. And for the purpose of our discussion right now, Faye, I want to focus on three of these topics. So our top three topics, and we had alignment between our internal and external stakeholders alike that these were important, were the following. They were environmental impacts along the value chain, social impacts along the value chain, and product integrity. So if I start at product integrity, which for that we can consider topics like traceability, supplier engagement, attest supplier attestations, and many other uh, issues related to it, we asked ourselves, okay, we're sourcing small diamonds, also known as, as you know, as melee diamonds in the industry. 
This is, and I want, I always make that distinction because this is a different problematic than larger cut stones. Melee stones are, I mean, the, the name refers to it, they're a mix, right? So they may be cast off from the cutting of larger stones and they, by and large, do not offer traceability. So we said, okay, if we say that the key to speaking about traceability, and when I say traceability, I'm not speaking about country declarations. I think to me that's, that, and I think to many people, that's not traceability. That's a country declaration to say our diamonds come from country X, Y, Z. We wanted to speak about under which conditions are they produced, who has handled them along the supply chain, and which practices were followed. So when we looked at that, we said, well, if we want to enable traceability, we see lab-grown diamonds to be the answer if we can build a responsible supply chain because not all lab-grown diamonds are grown or handled equally. So we were very well attuned to the issues that, are, that can be in this industry and that we wanted to be sure to completely avoid in order to build a responsible supply chain. We were delighted to see when the SCS 007 Sustainability Rated Diamond Standard was released in September of 21. We began to look into this and we began to review a number of suppliers who were upholding this standard. So again, that's assessing a range of factors related to environmental, social, and governance performance. And very importantly, offers traceability. So they do this by creating a fingerprint of any given producer of diamonds that can then be traced back to any given diamond to confirm that a declaration of origin is in fact matching that diamond to its original origin. So we can, this is something that we can now confidently speak about. We were able to identify a handful of suppliers who met these expectations and with whom we could develop a personal relationship to, based on shared values to really support one another in our journey moving ahead. So for example, uh, deploying our, our carbon fund to support the transition to renewable energy. So product integrity was a key driver there. Then we looked at environmental impacts along the value chain and we saw that the transition to lab-grown diamonds for the issues that I outlined just a bit prior could really lend us this big opportunity to have a net uh, reduced impact as a result of this, again across climate, biodiversity and water. When we considered the social impacts along the value chain, we really saw this then as an opportunity to say that these diamonds that we are sourcing are conflict-free. We can attest to where they're coming. We can attest to the social labor standards that have been upheld all along the supply chain. Then we were able to really enforce chain of custody all along the supply chain. So we at Breitling, we handle these diamonds. We've also been subject to a chain of custody audit in order to really validate that we are upholding uh, those standards and practices that need to be in place. We have seen as well that we need to continue to be active in diamond supply chains to have a social responsibility to these. We acknowledge the role that those have played in development in a number of areas, which is why we will also be establishing a Breitling Diamond Impact Fund, whereby we will allocate a portion of the proceeds from these diamonds in order to support social and environmental impacts along the value chain. This is something that's going to build up this year 
I don't yet have anything to report on it, but we're really looking forward to developing this along with our stakeholders to make sure that we can have meaningful impact. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, meaningful impact. It's, um, it's, it feels like it's been it's, it's designed from the inside out, purpose built with the with 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 all of the key points um, as as a priority. So it's really impressive with the direction and how far you've come with it as well. This is this is new to our industry to to to, to this extent. Where, as I said before, we're um, everyone's talking that language and moving in that direction, but um, not not on this scale. What are the implications of this and how do you think it will drive Brightling forward? It's a really good question and I, I personally hope that some of the implications uh, from this can be contributing to this greater consideration, societal consideration on origins. I think that it is part of a broader global landscape where we as society are becoming more and more urgently aware of the challenges that we're facing. And we ask ourselves whether we buy a banana or an almond or a watch or a t-shirt, where is this coming from? Do I feel comfortable buying this? Is it meeting my ethics? And are there other alternatives? So I think that uh, using the power of, of our brand, we can also bring awareness to these issues that are relevant along these supply chains. And I think that it will help to contribute to the ongoing shaping of the sustainability story at Breitling in the fact that we have already defined, as you mentioned, that we will transition to 100% responsible lab-grown diamonds by 2024 to 100% traceable artisanal gold by 2025. So these are really going to be fundamental changes that are already underway at Breitling that are requiring us to rethink a lot of the operating models that we have, but will enable us to really confidently attest that these materials that we're using, which can potentially be of origins involving conflict, involving environmental degradation, involving a range of other global challenges, that we can exclude ourselves from those. And I think that's the confidence that we as consumers are seeking and that can unfortunately be too hard to find. We're all kind of swimming in a sea of labels, in a sea of marketing declarations. And at the end of the day, I think what we wanted to do here with Origins is, you know, we wanted to speak about traceability. We wanted to open this up to consumers. We're disclosing our lab-grown supplier. We're disclosing the mine that we work with. We want to give this information and, and we leave this then up to the customer individually to say, okay, here's the information, here's the performance. Does it meet your own personal ethical standards? And if it does, then you know this is a watch that, that can be for you. So yeah, again, I think that we're part of a broader global consciousness on these topics. And it's certainly something that will be able to really shape and define our sustainability story moving ahead. Well, that um, actually covers what was going to be my, my next question, because the, the question was, well, how do you think it will drive Brightling forwards? But the next question was going to be, how do you think it will drive the industry forward? So it's, I, know, I know that's it's, it's not the concern and um, at all the reason um, that why Brightling have decided to take uh, and, and, and to move in this direction. Um, do you think it'll have an impact on the wider industry? I think that that definitely remains to be seen. I have noticed that traceability as a subject seems to be growing in importance in the industry. So 
hopefully our contribution to this and our own uh, definition of this paradigm is something that may be useful to the industry and in the consideration of its ongoing transformation. No doubt, I think sustainability is a really personal topic and it's for each brand to define their path moving ahead. I feel really confident. I think my stakeholders and colleagues would agree with me that we've really been able to define the path that is relevant for Breitling. And to the extent that the example that we've set here can be useful to others and can contribute to raising the sustainability bar in the industry, that's something that, again, we've made this open source. We've declared who our suppliers are. We've spoken really clearly, I think, about the processes that we've used. And to the extent that we were the first to integrate it in this way, so for example, traceability from a single mine to a specific watch or implementing lab-grown diamonds at scale, then by all means, we would be very, very happy to bring our paradigm to the table in order to shape the evolution of the industry moving ahead. How are you planning on sharing this complete visibility with the consumer? Um, it's, you know, what you're doing, it's important. It's not going away. You're technically launching it within the, within the industry with impact. And as you've referenced in terms of, you know, clients, whether they're choosing to buy you know, whether it's a watch, whether it's a T-shirt, but sort of in the consumer, the consumerism that we live in, the visibility, will this be made really aware um, to, to clients in terms of uh, upon purchase? Yeah, it's a really important question. So it will be made visibly aware. We will do that in a couple of different formats. So the first is the NFT that will be issued to the purchaser of the watch, whereby they will be able to see the supply chain for the gold and diamonds at each step along the way. We will also be making this public in our source map. So we were really delighted to partner with source map and actually we've asked them to, to verify again uh, the value chain that we have developed here to really make sure that each of these hundreds of pieces of, of chain of custody documentation that are in the possession of ourselves and of our partners are really attesting to the fact that gold is coming from a specific mine, that diamonds are coming from a specific grower. So this is something where we have gone open book uh, and we really viewed that as essential to be able to say, okay, if we're going to be transparent, it's really all or nothing. Uh, so we've really opted for the all approach in that regard in order to make this fully transparent all along the way. Was there client or, or any industry pressure for Brightling to make these changes? So when we conducted this double materiality assessment that I was referencing, where we included internal and external stakeholders, that is you know, where we really saw very clearly on this materiality matrix, this demand from the stakeholders that we interviewed, again, including customers, including business partners, suppliers, and a range of other stakeholders that what they wanted from us as a brand were social impacts along the value chain, environmental impacts along the value chain, and product integrity. So I think there we really clearly see the demand. We have interpreted that in, the, in this origins collection and in these shifts that we're making in lab-grown diamond and gold sourcing. But this is something that we really clearly observed in a part of that process and which has informed the, this activity today. And um, this might be controversial. Um, do, do you think it changes the authenticity of the product as diamonds are considered natural? I hear your point completely. I, I totally respect that there's a long-standing paradigm about mine diamonds. And I think that this is a very personal topic. So I'm going to go ahead and speak really personally right now. So I own just a few 
a handful of diamonds, um, they're mine diamonds, I don't look at them the same anymore. And in fact, I'm, they, they were purchased at the time according to uh, good standards and good practices. But to be frank, after the work that I've been conducting uh, along with my colleagues in these last years, they, they don't have the same shine to me. So I was having a discussion with somebody else today about the value of lab-grown diamonds, the value of mined diamonds. And I do think that at some point, societal expectations, ethics, do meet market prices. It tends not to happen overnight, also looking at past experience, but it is something that begins to shift. So to me, the authenticity is higher when it comes to lab-grown diamonds. And now to step out, that was a very personal reflection that I allowed myself, and to step out of that, I think that being able to attest to traceability along the supply chain and the standards that were upheld, that is authenticity, I think. That, I think, is far more authenticity than declaring a country of origin. So this is something that I think will be taken into account by consumers. In some cases, it already is. I think it may very well be an increasing trend if we look at some research from the industry that this may be a direction in which we're headed. It's interesting that you have a preference because they're, as you said, they're more sparkly, the lab growing in terms of, that's, that's interesting whether it's in terms of, it's then down to the um, visual element. I saw the watches, I was lucky to see them um, last week um, on just ahead of the launch on the chronomats and they are incredibly vibrant to look at. Um, and if diamonds are a girl's best friend, then watch, <laughs> these watches are going to be a great success for you. And again, potentially slightly controversial just based on the process itself. Lab-grown diamonds require a huge amount of energy for production. So how does this align with sustainability? Because it could be potentially a bit conflicting as a message. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a, an important topic to always raise. So I'm really glad you did, Faye, because it needs to be spoken about. So that is, again, then going back to the sourcing principles that we've identified of suppliers who achieve climate neutrality as a first step and then are able to provide a plan where they are not already sourcing low carbon or renewable energy for how they will be able to make that transition. So that's a really important part of the of the overall story here and we're really glad that the supplier for the lab-grown diamonds for origins for example already has the climate neutrality in place is already conducting full scope greenhouse gas accounting has already offset uh, those emissions that have been measured in the process and then is in the process of already transitioning to 100% renewable energy so that's an important consideration to make for sure and one which will absolutely drive any decision-making that we make in the future about suppliers who will be contributing to the Brightline supply chain. So I think we've covered off quite quite um, quite a few points there. Are there any other elements that you want to talk to us about and sort of share what the plans are or the, either the plans or projects that fall within this? We focus quite, quite a lot on lab-grown diamonds specifically just purely because of, of the launches that are, are imminent. Um, but it's a it's, it's a big important project. Are there any is there any other areas that we you feel that are relevant you'd like to share with us? Uh, if you'd like, we can speak a bit about the artisanal and small scale gold value chain. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be I'd, I'd love to hear about that, please. It's a similar story time wise. So again, back in 2020, uh, and we were considering 
how can we have an impact of it as a brand socially, environmentally, and really attest to traceability. So we applied this same lens to gold sourcing. And if you wind back the clock to 2020, not that any of us would want to do that, uh, but if you did, um, then we know that there were really horrific crises obviously unfolding globally as a result of the then nascent COVID uh, pandemic. And especially in Latin America, which was really being ravaged by this for a range of reasons, we saw that a lot of people were um, taking up uh, illegal mining in some cases to really put food on the table. So we were in the process of considering gold sourcing and wondering, okay, how do we meet these considerations, again, of social impacts along the value chain, environmental impacts along the value chain and product integrity. And we looked at the different standard gold sources that tend to be available. So that's of course, recycled gold, which is a big standard, large scale mined gold and artisanal and small scale mined gold to, to summarize it briefly. When we considered that, I think not many things are easy in sustainability, um, but this one kind of was because we really saw that, okay, if we really want to achieve each of these, so if we want to have a positive uh, social impact, if we want to have a net positive uh, environmental impact, and if we want to be able to offer traceability, we really saw responsible artisanal and small-scale mine gold as a key way in which we could achieve that. Then, as I mentioned, you know, we were really... Uh, impressed upon by the crises that were unfolding at this time. So this return to illegal mining was resulting in horrific degradation of the Amazon ongoing, I should say ongoing horrific degradation of the Amazon, and just a, a huge uh, confluence of social and environmental challenges. We looked then at different means of sourcing responsible artisanal and small-scale gold, and after assessing the different options available in this field, we decided that Swiss Better Gold was the option that would best meet our requirements and that upheld our values in sustainability and would, be, would offer a partnership whereby we could continue to build upon and achieve ongoing outcomes across the supply chain. So with the partnership of Swiss Better Gold, of the refiners with whom we work, especially MKS Pump uh, here in Switzerland, we were able to develop a gold value chain to identify a specific mine in Colombia, the Touchstone Mine, that was really upholding these environmental and social standards that held the same values we did and that wanted to progress on this journey together. So this then has unfolded into an incredibly meaningful story. We visit the mine ourselves as well in order to build this relationship, in order to also verify uh, that information that has been shared with us about the mine. And we've been able, thanks to our cooperation with them, to also develop a relationship with the local community in which they are operating. So concretely speaking, that is the financing of local educational programs in the community and at the mine to support uh, literacy programs, to support uh, mental health and well-being, to support nutritional education, and to really contribute to the ongoing development of this local community. At the same time, we've been able to work directly with the Touchstone Mine 
in order to assess its environmental impact using primary data and to identify key levers whereby we can reduce this environmental impact. For example, we've deployed the Breitling Carbon Fund to replace electrical grid lines which tend not to operate in the rainy season and that's reduced the use of a diesel generator on site. So we've really been able to develop this tangible, very human level, personal approach to gold sourcing which we find incredibly meaningful and we're really delighted that now Breitling customers can really attest to the fact that the gold in in this specific watch, Origins, is coming from this specific mine where these specific measures have been taken. And we really think that this is a promising story that is able then, like I said, to really attest to these social and environmental impacts while providing product integrity. Uh, well, they kept that one quiet as well, didn't they? <laughs> um, and they, it, it, well, it works. I think actually it's just testimony to the brand in that it's not, we started off by discussing that uh, and you sort of introducing that it's a 360 approach. Um, but it's not just focused on the diamonds in terms of the, the gold and that, that resource, um, which is a big part of our industry. Um, it's, I think it's, it's, it's fantastic that the, the, two are, the, the two huge projects are being worked on side by side and, and the timeframes seem quite similar. Sorry, it was 2000, uh, 2024 for everything to be, uh, all the, anything diamond set will be lab grown and 2025, I believe you said, will all be um, um, Swiss better gold. Is that is, Exactly. Is that correct? Trace and traceable, yes. And traceable. And traceable. We're, uh, currently, well, we um, are sourcing 100% Swiss better gold. We were the first brand to do so. And what remains is for us to physically integrate all of these deliveries into our products. Um, well, what, you, what you don't know about me, um, Aurelia, is my first ever timepiece was a Breitling, so I've always had an affinity with the brand. Um, and I've been, I've, been, I've been here nearly 20 years. So this has just, this has just um, been a, a, a wonderful conversation. And I think it brings a, a really, not just interesting, but important dynamic to um, our world. Let's be honest, people don't need to buy watches. You know, we've, we, 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 it's, we're complacent. We can be complacent in, in, in what we do, but it's, um, I think the, the, the value that you're adding to the industry and the, the measures that have been changed, um, the measures that you're, you're working with and to the extent um, is incredible. It's um, product integrity, um, everything, you know, what you've covered in terms of the end-to-end -to -end -to -end traceability, 360 approach and it's not just on the product itself it's how you know it's with your, your your offices and how you were and your um at your how brightening work with their, their teams and their people the supply chain and your rigorous checks um and it being sort of a carbon neutral um company now um I really look forward to seeing the future um, of what Breitling do and the wider industry, but um, I think it's really important and um, testimony to the brands that they're taking this on as an utter, an utter focus and such a, um, a, a big part of their, their history and their narrative now. So congratulations. Thank you so much, Faye. It's really good to hear your reflections. I really enjoyed our discussion. I really appreciate the questions and, and the approach that it took. And, and it's really beautiful to hear about your affinity for the brand. So I'm looking forward to the next chance to catch up with you. Yeah, actually, let's, let's schedule something in a year or so, and then we, we, can, we can follow up. That would, be, that would be a wonderful idea. Aurelia, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And we look forward to following Brightling on this journey and looking forward to having those watches in our shops. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Calibre podcast. We do hope you enjoyed it. 
Please do subscribe and listen to other episodes on Apple Podcast and Spotify.